السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگ آف اللہ بی اپون یو آل ویلکم ونس اگین ہیئر ان ڈائف ٹائم شو یو لسننگ ٹو انیک الرحمان ٹوڈے از سکس آف دسمبر you know discussing and we'll be answering the questions we'll be giving some insight of those questions to our listeners for this in particular in the first hour or the second hour you can also join us so you can call us on 0208-687-7878 and you can visit our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk and you can tweet at voiceofislamuk as we live in our house or anywhere we live we take care of that place we clean we try to fix anything which need to be fixed we have an eye to look whether something is about to go wrong or not and we try to fix it immediately to you know keep ourselves away from the you know big disaster if you know the winter is coming up if the rain is there the rainy days are there we try to fix the roof beforehand you know the you know the the the, the water comes in but on the other hand when we look to this world which has given to us by god almighty and which we are handed over to and we have responsibility towards we sometimes do not pay attention to the topic we'll be discussing is an important topic which is regarding plastic pollution mankind you know keeps on damaging this world through pollution you know depleting the ozone nuclear test and warfare and we see everywhere these are the things which we see around us nuclear test has going place warfare is taking place is a pollution and then how we will be able to do one thing you know which god has set out for us we should be taking care of this earth so that we are able to worship allah the almighty you know as it is mentioned in the holy quran the god almighty says that the true servants of the gracious god are those who walk on the earth humbly plastic pollution is not something which we can take very lightly it is something which needs to be addressed which needs to be understood and we have to call for a global plastic treaty so this can be rectified to discuss this we'll be having few guests who will be giving us insight as i mentioned earlier and you know explaining why is harmful plastic pollution you know as a global environmental crisis is you know gathering increased attention as a matter of urgent concern the context of plastic pollution is marked by the escalating environmental damage caused by the 
proliferation of plastic waste worldwide. This discussion explores the multifaceted aspects of plastic pollution, its implications for the environment and society, and examines the cause for a global plastic treaty as a potential solution. Of course, we'll be discussing you know, the challenges of plastic pollution, current strategies, and you know what are their drawbacks, and we will be discussing, the, you know, exploring new approaches. What can be done? Benefits of you know global plastic treaty. What will be achieved through this? And the challenges which has been faced and the concerns are there. And we'll be discussing the balancing environmental conservation and global cooperation, and potential solutions beyond traditional warfare. So there are a few things which we'll be discussing. Uh, regarding this topic and carry on if if I carry on one of the thing is challenge of the plastic pollution you know the plastic pollution possesses a complex challenge rooted various socio-economic factors leading to determinantal outcomes for ecosystems and human health the effects of plastic pollution encompass marine and terrestrial ecosystems degradation you know, threats to wildlife and potential health risk for humans. Factors such as single-use plastic, inadequate waste management and lack of effective recycling contribute to complicity of this issue. There are many things to say, but once, once we go ahead, we will, would like to take our first guest, an important guest, Maria Wasterbros, who's with us. She is the founder and CEO of Plastic Soup Foundation. I welcome her in the show. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and thank you very much for joining us today. Good afternoon. Nice that you want to talk with me. Thank you. Maria, could you share insights into the mission and you know objectives of the Plastic Soup Foundation in addressing plastic pollution on a global scale? What we want as Plastic Soup Foundation is to stop the plastic tsunami at the source. So uh, what we think is that the leakage of plastic into our world is so overwhelming that um, it's a, a threat for uh, the planet, it's a threat for human life, it's a threat for animal life, it's a threat for everybody. So we should reduce plastic and we should um, strongly avoid plastic entering um, um, our uh, environment. So from your perspective, why is there an urgent need for a global plastic treaty and how can it significantly impact the foundation's goal? Well, the, the, the issue is, is that plastic can become so little that it's in raindrops, it's in our food, it's in our crops. It's in uh, the ocean, it's um, 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 in everything around us. It's in the air, we inhale plastics. Um, and plastic is an, is an inert um, uh, substance. It's not, if you would say, uh, it's, it's not natural. Mm. It's human-made. And we add over 60,000 hazardous chemicals in it. And uh, that, together with that chemicals released in the environment and released in our bodies, is a very dangerous toxic cocktail. True. And it's too much. It's too much plastic. 
Yeah, true, very much true. You know, what specific initiatives or, or you know, campaigns has the Plastic Soup Foundation taken to, to advocate for a global plastic treaty? Well, what we did is forming the Plastic Health Coalition. Um, and the Plastic Health Coalition is a uh, combination between Plastic Soup Foundation and Plastic Planet. And mm-hmm. that is a, it is an, uh, a coalition where we give a platform to scientists from all over the world that advocate the dangers of plastic and uh, are um, uh, uh, calling upon the world and governments to end this um, this um, yeah threat. Mm-hmm. So it's especially an, um, an, a platform for scientists. Mm. Do we see a reduction of people using the plastic, or is it still the same, or is it going to the higher side? Sorry, I didn't understand the question. I was saying, you know, the plastic people are using the countries. Are they keep increasing the limits, or is it coming down, or is the the, the consumption of you know plastics is, is reducing or is increasing? No, it's always increasing. Mm. Plastic is pushing is industry is pushing it upon us. Mm. So there is produced so much plastic that we are you you could say that people are addicted to plastic. Mm. We have no clue. It's everywhere around us. It started well, eighty years ago uh, with uh, very little and now it's um we are producing five hundred billion tons uh, a year, which is an incredible amount. We throw away um, um, over 240 million tons uh, within 20 minutes. It's not billion tons; mm-hmm. it's million tons. That's big numbers. And we throw away, yeah, we throw away 240 million tons within 20 minutes, um, and it can go nowhere. You you must compare plastic with oil. It's mm-hmm. an oil-made product. 98 percent of all the plastic is oil-based. So um, if you look at it, then there is oil in water, and in our water there's oil in raindrops in the clouds. There's oil in our blood. Mm. If you if you try to imagine that we are con- that we that um, a wrap around an, um, um, a concomer is based on oil, that gives you the shivers, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Very much right. So, you know, what challenges does the foundation face in combating plastic pollution and how can a global treaty address these challenges? Well, the global treaty is about uh, protecting um, the world against uh, industry. It's it's profit or planet. And what you see is at the global plastic treaty, there there were this time 140 lobbyists from oil companies and big industries. Oh, much more than uh, delegates almost even. Um, so uh, what we need to do is to um, use our um, um, senses and stop uh, stop this overwhelming push of industry to make money and choose for the planet. And that's what the Global Plastic Treaty is for, to protect little islands, to protect... Um, the lower um, uh, way, um, the, the countries which I have less money. Um, we are exporting, for example, uh, in Holland alone, we are exporting uh, 70 million um, kilos of plastic each year to Indonesia. We dump our waste in Indonesia. We dump the waste of England, is exporting waste to Holland, and we export it to the Philippines, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia. So what we do is we, we 
um, we put other people, um, and we confront them with our problem, and they need to solve it, and that must stop. We must find ways to use less plastic, which is not necessary for us to survive. We can do without plastic, or most of the plastic, the throwaway plastics. And uh, the treaty is there to uh, arrange that, to make um, binding, binding uh, uh, to find a binding agreement. Mm. You are much right. I think it's a big problem and need to be, you know, uh, discussed in depth and, you know, find a solution how we can, you know, make kind of reduction in using uh, the plastic. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Maria Westerbos, to join for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Have a nice evening. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Bye. So you were listening to Maria Westerbros, who is the founder and CEO of Plastic Soup Foundation, and she discussed uh, about how, you know, what treaty, how the treaty is going to take place and what they are doing to stop or, you know, at least reduce the consumption of plastic. Now we're going to head uh, to our next guest, Steve Han, who's with us. He's a policy, uh, who's a policy manager at city to sea Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and thank you very much for joining us today, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Uh, Steve, to start off, can you provide an overview, uh, you know, of the current state of a global plastic pollution and, uh, you know, its environmental impact? So I think any of your listeners can feel the nature of um, plastic pollution. You know, if we go to any um, urban park, if we walk, walk along any riverbank, it's there right in front of us. It's, uh, in our, and it's something we can see. It's something we can pick up. It's something we can feel. And I think mm. that's probably why so many of your listeners feel really strongly about it, because it's a form of environmental pollution that affects our everyday life. But if we look at the big picture of it, we're talking about 450 million tonnes of plastic being produced every year, mm. and half of that is single-use plastic. Now, that in itself is a scary figure, but wait until I say that that's estimated to jump to 1.2 billion tonnes by 2060, unless we take some drastic action to cut it. So it's a growing problem that's having a devastating environmental impact. It's something that impacts everybody's day-to-day life. And at the moment, it's predicted to get worse unless we do something serious about it. Yeah, very much right. I think it's a very uh, big numbers uh, which we need to look into. So what challenges do policymakers face, uh, you know, when formulating effective policies to tackle plastic pollution at local and global levels? So I think one of the big problems is people think of plastic pollution as a supply-based issue. You know, when we think about supply and demand mm. economics. Uh, people think of it sorry, as, as, as people wanting this uh, cheap uh, plastic in their life. But I think it's actually much more useful to think of it as a uh, as a supply issue. So we have over um, extracted fossil fuels. And as a result, uh, single use plastics are an incredibly cheap and affordable way of storing that single use plastic. And at the moment, that means we have more plastic flooding our market than we know feasibly what to do with. So the impact that this has in terms of economics is that this leaves businesses in a sort of no-brainer of a situation just to use more and more single-use plastic because it's cheaper than anything else that we have uh, available on the market. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. And so we take from that to say that traditional market-based solutions in of themselves aren't going to sort this problem out. What we really need is for government to be starting to tackle that. And we've seen some steps recently. So we saw, for example, um, a single-use plastic ban on certain items like single-use 
plastic uh, cutlery, um, plates, uh, expanded polystyrene trays, things like that have been banned. And that's really a reflection of the fact that these were some of the most polluting single-use plastics uh, and, that, and that markets in themselves weren't going to remove these because they were so cheap for businesses to use all the time. So what we really need now, though, is instead of just punitively forcing business to stop using certain individual items, we need government to set a level playing field for government for business to move forward uh, and to be able to move forward with confidence. So what would that look like? That could, for example, be uh, putting into place legally binding targets for reusable packaging. So, for example, they could say by 2030, 30% of all of our packaging needs to be reusable. And that way, that would allow businesses to invest into the infrastructure and into the research that needs to be done to make that transition and to be able to invest in that with confidence, knowing that they're not going to be losing out because all of their competitors are going to be moving at a similar pace with them at the same time. Very much right. So, so in, your, in your experience, how can community you know, engagement and awareness play a role in influencing policy changes and you know, promoting responsible plastic use? So I think communities have a really key role to play. So we know from an Ipsimori um, survey that three quarters of the world's population would like to see single-use plastic banned altogether, right? So really radical policy that's got widespread support. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, I think your, your listeners, because they can see and because they can feel plastic pollution, they want action to be taken. And this is really key in terms of driving both business and government forward to be able to act faster. So I think one of the really big things you can do uh, as an individual and as a community is to contribute to campaign groups and to contact your MPs, uh, to contact your supermarkets, you know, to try and use that influence as a consumer and as a voter to try and influence change. But I'd also say that you can, of course, take control of what you use yourself. And it's almost impossible, or at least exceptionally hard, to eradicate plastics from your life. You know, as I said before, they're, they're incredibly useful and they're incredibly cheap for lots of people at the moment. So my advice to anyone who's looking to cut down on the amount of plastic they use is just for one week to keep every piece of uh, plastic that they use and to keep a tally of this so they can work out what is their biggest uh, usage of plastics and then to try and ask themselves the, the, the questions around what can I reduce out of that and what can I switch to reusable. So for example... If your household uses a lot of single-use plastic uh, milk cartons, for example, um, one solution might be to switch to a milkman who delivers milk in a reusable glass jar. It might be, though, that um, you buy a lot of uh, fruit in plastic pallets, for example, and it might be around the corner you've got someone selling uh, fruit without any packaging at all, so therefore you'd be reducing it. Um, but if people are interested in that, uh, one of our friends and, and an organisation that's a friend of State of the Seas is a, a great organisation called Everyday Plastic. And they organise these uh, plastic audits for people and for community groups. It can be a really nice thing to bring people together as well. You can do it as a community, you can do it as a street. Um, and it'd be, yeah, it's a really nice and easy thing to do. So do check out Everyday Plastic if you can. You very much. I think it's uh, a very, very important advice uh, for everyone who's listening. And I think everybody needs to put their, you know, effort. This has to be combined efforts. So, you know, at the end, you know, what advice would you give to individuals who want to contribute to reducing plastic pollution on a personal level? And how can they support initiatives like a global plastic treaty? 
So I think, I mean, on, on an individual level, I think it's, it's kind of just reiterating really what I was just saying there about doing that plastic audit, working out what your biggest plastic use is yourself, uh, and then trying to make small changes. So it's not about trying to wipe it out in one go, but it's about making small, sustainable tweaks and changes. It's like if you're trying to get fit and you suddenly decided that you're never going to eat chocolate again and you're going to go for a run every morning, it might sound like a great idea, but in reality, you wouldn't keep it up. Mm. And I'd say the same about reducing your plastic uh, personal plastic use as well. Try and make small, sustainable changes regularly to try and improve the amount of plastic and to try and reduce the amount of plastic you're using and to try and increase the amount of reusable um, alternatives that, that you're using so that's the big thing i think on a personal level uh, but then in terms of supporting initiatives like the global plastic treaty so this is when we get really political so um, i'd say write to your mp and say that you want uh, not just a global plastics treaty but you want a really ambitious one one that sets a cap and reduction mechanism so it looks at how much plastics we're using as a country and then it commits to reducing that figure we want one that has legally binding reusable uh, targets uh, in there. And we have one that is really important for me, is about uh, a fair and just, just transition as well. So we know all around the world, for example, lots of people rely on the plastic industry uh, to make a living. Uh, for example, litter pickers um, are a prime example of that. And so there's a real question about how, as we transition away from this single-use economy, how we make sure that transition is just and fair as well. So there'll be our three key demands around the Global Plastics Treaty. Communicating that to your MP, I think, is a really key one. And then other than that, I'd say absolutely get involved with, um, with, with some of our campaigns around City to Sea. So if you go to our website, citytosea.org.uk, uh, you can sign up to our regular newsletter where you can uh, stay up to date with all of our campaigns. Uh, we're also a grassroots run organization, so donations are really appreciated. We can only do our work uh, because of the donations of people um, uh, really powering our campaigns forward. Without people uh, making those donations, we wouldn't be able to do half of what we do. So that would be a really key thing as well. Um, but to get involved, you know, as I often say, when things feel really desperate, that's not the time to despair, it's the time to organize. Well said, I think. Uh, absolutely right. Thank you very much, Steve, uh, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you, man. Have a nice evening. It's a real pleasure. Take care. Bye now. Take care. Bye. So it was Steve Hand, uh, policy manager at city to sea and uh, he has discussed that how, what can be done as, you know, um, individual level especially and uh, as a whole society, what can be done, how we can reduce the plastic use. You know, the current strategies and <clears throat> their drawback, if we discuss that, you know, the traditional approach to tackling plastic pollution through localized regulations and voluntary initiatives has been criticized for its limited effectiveness. And, you know, critics argue that these measures often fall short in addressing the global scale of the issue and do not target the root cause of plastic pollution. And that's what we're discussing about the treaty, which I think, again, we have to write our MPs, so bring that up and that can go ahead. You know, of course, there is a growing consequences that a more coordinated international effort is needed to address the magnitude of a plastic pollution crisis. In this regard, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, he says that today, you know, natural disasters are prevalent and there is a destruction all around. Storms and hurricanes are occurring in the U.S. at the greater frequency than before. The economic crisis is worsening. Various inhabitations of the world are at a threat 
of being submerged by water due to global warming. And I think one of the very important aspects is pollution and the use of plastic. We have to understand that how, you know, things the things are changing every single day. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning, God has given this world to us and there some of us are, you know, the, the, the people who are responsible to take care of this world. We are answerable to God Almighty. We are answerable if somebody is dying in, in the ocean due to these disasters. We are, you know, part of that because we didn't take care of those things in the beginning. People are speaking about it. People are discussing. They are putting their efforts. And I think it's time for us to think about it, to ponder over this, to put your effort, at least try to MP, to, you know, we can, you know, come up with a solution and a treaty can go ahead and at least we can reduce the use of plastic in our daily use. You know, our, uh, our leader has warned the whole community. All of them are working together to find ways to reduce the effects. And I think, especially the, the, the community members, they're listening to the show. They should always take care of these things. As much as we can reduce the plastic use, we should, you know, try our level best to overcome this. And, you know, there's not many things to be said now. I think we're going to move uh, to our... Uh, next guest and we'll carry on uh, you know discussing this important topic uh, we'll be having uh, our next guest I think Peter uh, Nitzik with us Global Director of Community Partnership and Plastic Bank I welcome Peter in the show Assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and thank you much for joining us today yes alaikum assalam thank you so much for having me thank you Peter for joining us uh, you know, can you uh, share your experiences and uh, key takeaways uh, from your presence at, you know, INC3 event in Nairobi and how it has influenced Plastic Bank's approach to community partnerships? I think one important part was uh, that through the side events, we got to know uh, several uh, informal ways collector organizations and you know Plastic Bank works with about uh, more than 20,000 informal waste collectors in the Philippines, Indonesia, um, Egypt and uh, Brazil and Thailand and we realized we are creating a lot of benefits for these people um, like health insurance, uh, support for schools and many other things uh, like uh, tools of trade like pushcarts, safety gear and so on. But what we really need to strengthen is our partnership with them. We're working on a more partnership approach than a beneficiary approach. So really um, having this interaction and also seeing how can we um, facilitate an approach from informal waste collection to a formalized Waste collection, if that is uh, what what they what they wish. So, so that was a very very strong um, takeaway. Another takeaway was for us as we are creating waste management infrastructure where there is none. That this is really something we we need to keep doing, but also we need to keep also looking at plastic waste prevention in a way of changing consumer habits, that people become also more aware of what they 
they purchase. So it's important that they, when waste, the plastic waste is created, that it doesn't end as waste because it's a resource. It is, it has value, and that, and that is our goal. That no plastic ends up with waste, but becomes value for the people who collect it. But as we are creating more and more plastic waste, it's also important that consumers change their behavior in uh, purchasing less uh, plastic waste. And, and so we, we realize that is also an important takeaway uh, for us. And I think the third one is what we saw is that the countries are very, very divided on what on what to do and how to to approach it, uh, how to approach this treaty, which is very sad. But uh, I think what we want to collaborate, uh, what we want to um, emphasize is that people find the common ground on on where they can work together because it's very urgent. You know, we we see the plastic waste is creating lots of damage everywhere, and if we don't do anything right now, we it will be too late, you know. Yeah, you very much right. I think it's very important uh, and urgent method to, you know, uh, discuss and find a solution. Uh, you know, uh, can you then share some key challenges you have observed regarding plastic pollution that, you know, highlight the need for a global treaty? Well, uh, I think the, the global scale of the issue is really... Uh, Uh, um, that's striking me as a, one of the major challenge, and that all of that plastic was basically, or most of it, was just created in the last 20, 30 years. That that, that it just have, ha happened so fast that suddenly plastic waste has uh, become an issue, and it's everywhere. And you know, plastic is in in, in beverages. It's in it's in the clouds. It's uh, and so the global scale is is really an issue. So even if one country does something, it's still being impacted by what other countries are doing. So very much like what uh, like climate change. And so it really means that uh, the global treaty is now really an opportunity for the world. Uh, to come together to to fix this global issue and and they have done it before you know if you think about the um, the gases that were the ozone layer gases the 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 global world come together and banned it and now the ozone layer has recovered and I think that is something we can do and then of course another challenge is the divide of of infrastructure you know like. UK and Germany, we have very good uh, infrastructure in waste collection and recycling, like the, the reverse logistics on PET bottles, where we have a recycling rate now of 90% of, of PET bottles. But then there are countries who who have no infrastructure, where, where, where 50, 60, 70% of plastic waste is just being littered or openly burned. And so really to catching up on, on building infrastructure everywhere, I think that is a very important aspect. And also the, the behavioral aspect that we change really the way we, we consume goods and um, think about what we are 
what we are, when we purchase something like a piece of cheese, you're not only purchasing the cheese, you're also purchasing the packaging and what will happen to the packaging once we have eaten the cheese. You know, we, most of us, we don't really think about that and, and, and having a more conscious way of, of purchasing things. And I think that comes also through, through, a, through a spiritual aspect. You know, if you think how, how the world has been created by the creator, it is, it is a circular model, you know, oxygen and carbon dioxide, they're being, everything is transformed. In creation, there is no waste. There is only being, things are being transformed. And we have created this linear model of, uh, of industry where we produce, use, and then we dispose, and then suddenly we have waste. And I think that we have lost somehow the connection uh, to creation, so there's a spiritual way also where we need renewal, and and uh, we have talked to a lot of uh, also Muslim leaders, and 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 we see that also in Islam there is a very strong um, push and longing to to also address the the problem from the spiritual. Mm. side and I, I think that that also in that way also faith communities can in that way contribute really to 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 make this global treaty happening and, and make it strong very much right you know then how can as you mentioned you touched about community then how can community leaders you know and individuals actively contribute uh, to the mission of the reducing plastic pollution through partnership with plastic bank um, there are two ways. Uh, the first one, if if you're, for example, in in countries where we operate, like uh, we have a very strong operation in Egypt, we have a very strong operation in Indonesia, which are prominent, predominantly um, Muslim um, uh, countries. So we have collection points. We have a, an app. So people could download the app, they could look where is the next plastic bank collection point and then just uh, segregate their plastic waste at home and bring it to our collection partner where, where, where they're also being paid for the plastic. Or we are working, for example, with the Ulama Council in Indonesia. We have school programs in many um, uh, Muslim schools. Um, in, in Indonesia where the kids are being taught about uh, waste segregation and uh, um, where they bring the plastic from home and bring it to the school and then we pick it up there. We also work with, with several mosques. Uh, in Indonesia they have the Green Mosque program where we also being, where we also being a partner. So this kind of educational initiatives, we have actually an online school curriculum where teachers can download and then they can teach that material to to the students and also for people who want to know how can what can I do we have you can also go on our website on plasticbank.com and we have a plastic footprint calculator so you can go there you can check your plastic footprint and then you can you can look at videos on how you can reduce your plastic footprint and then what you also could do is if you want to to offset your plastic footprint by a donation for plastic bank 
uh, then you can do that and then we will collect the exact amount of plastic that you produce. We will collect it in Egypt and Indonesia and make sure it doesn't end in the ocean there. <laughs> Very much right. Uh, you know, then what are some specific outcomes and, uh, you know, changes you hope to see as a result of increased global intention, you know, the, to plastic pollution and the call for plastic treaty? Yeah, I think that would be addressing the different aspects of society, the different stakeholders, right? You, We have the Hello, sorry, there was just another yes, call Yes, 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 please, go ahead. Okay, I'm back. So one important thing would be policies, hmm. that really um, policies will be developed. Uh, so you have, for example, uh, the, the extended producer responsibility framework, where it, the polluter pays, uh, and that many countries will introduce this kind of standard. So there will be really finances will be set free to 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 set up infrastructure to set up um, recycling facilities uh, to make sure that all the plastic that that's being produced uh, is also being recycled because the recycling rates are very low and i think voluntary commitments are not really working i think there really needs to be policy by the government to make it happen also to to incentivize the use of recycling, recycled plastic. You know, the, the problem is that uh, virgin plastic made out of crude oil is cheaper than recycled plastic. And so there needs to be incentives for the industry to buy recycled feedstock. In the moment, we're only recycling about 10% of the plastic globally. And so, so we need investment into recycling factories, but if they cannot sell the feedstock, they won't. In, there will be nobody will be investing, you know. So there needs to be a change. The policy can help to make recycled plastic more competitive. There also needs to be a change in um, in product design. You know, there should be product only products that are really practically recyclable should be allowed in the market. You know that that there are products with multi-layers or these chemical additives that are not that make the, the product unrecyclable and then there is no other way than to burn it or to to put it to the landfill those kind of product needs to be phased out uh, i think that is that is very very important and and really um in innovating in into new delivery uh, systems of of goods that that are not using single-used plastic and and also behavioral shifts that people really become aware that all of us are part of the problem because all of us are using plastic but all of us can also be part of of the loose of the solution uh, by by becoming change makers by by becoming active and and doing something so it could be the government the industry the the face community and and the consumers and lastly uh, a just transition you know more than 20 million people are informal waste collectors and i think 
to make sure that whatever policies and new systems we create, we are not putting these people out of business, but we, we they are integrated and uh, and they can uh, not only make a living, but they can live um, in a very um, prosperous or uh, at least in a very sufficient way that all their basic needs are met and they are being um, respected and for this what they're doing because they are environmental heroes and they shouldn't be living in poverty i think uh, though this just transition would also be a very very important aspiration of mine here yeah. and of course we thank yeah thank you very much uh peter it was a pleasure speaking with you and you have covered a lot of aspects and i hope uh, our listeners have listened to you and uh they contribute and uh, uh, as, as you mentioned in, in your talk uh, I was pleased speaking with you have a nice evening again I uh, hope our listeners have uh, benefited from you thank you thank you so much thank you so much it was my pleasure also talking to you and thank you for th- for having me thank you thank you peace be upon you uh, it was a Peter Nitschek uh, Global Director for Community Partnership at Plastic Bank so today as you probably have heard of a guest we are discussing the use of plastic how we can reduce it what is you know happening in the world how it's increasing day by day and affecting the environment the global warming and you know the people due to the plastic use and as people are keep producing it we don't know how to reduce the footprint you know these things is 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 becoming it's, it's already a problem it's just keep increasing and we have to find the ways so we can uh, you know bring down the footprint of plastic use if we discuss you know the uh, you know new approaches to explore what can be done how we can bring it down you know calls for a global plastic treaty involves international cooperation to establish comprehensive you know regulation standards and you know commitments to reduce plastic production and promote recycling and you know mitigate the environmental impact of plastic waste and advocates argue that you know a unified global effort is essential to address the interconnected nature of plastic pollution and, and that's what uh, you know our guest has mentioned voluntarily is one thing what which can be done but i think unified global effort is very much needed and it's something needs to be done some the rules and regulations and uh, law should be passed what can be done to reduce the plastic production and how you know effectively we can do recycling you know benefits which we will have from a global plastic treaty you know a global plastic treaty you know is, may result in reduced plastic pollution preserving ecosystem and uh, protecting uh, biodiversity and coordinated efforts can lead to improve waste management practices increase recycling rates and decrease reliance on a single use plastic and additionally additionally such a treaty may foster international collaboration and acknowledge sharing to develop you know innovative solutions for managing plastic waste of course there are challenges there are some concerns but you know be be being in a uh, muslim or true muslim we should know that uh, you know we have to take care of this world and we have a responsibility towards this and you know critic express concerns about the enforcement and implementation of a global plastic treaty questioning whether all nations uh, 
will commit to and abide by the agreed upon regulations. Intelligence lies in balancing and you know immediate need to curb plastic pollution with the long-term commitment uh, required, uh, you know, for, for for lasting environmental impact. As I mentioned, you know, balancing is very important, and the, the the decision on how to address plastic pollution, you know, necessitates careful consideration of both environmental conversation and, uh, you know, the, the need for global cooperation. A global uh, plastic treaty should encompass not only immediate measures to reduce plastic use, but also a commitment to research, innovation, and sustainable practices to ensure long-term environmental health. You know, if we address plastic pollution, of course, it, it requires a multifaceted approach to uh, transcend individual countries' efforts. A global plastic treaty uh, should focus on reducing plastic production, promoting responsible consumption, and you know establishing effective waste management system, engaging diverse you know stakeholders, including governments, industries, and environmental organizations, uh, is a crucial for the success of such a treaty. On this, you know, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the world, the head of the worldwide uh, community of Ahmadiyya Muslim Association. May Allah strengthen his hand. He says that where we plant physical trees to beautify and clean the environment and bear fruit, we also plant spiritual trees that yield fruit of love and humanity. Hence, we always seek to treat our neighbors and those around us with compassion and we endeavor to fulfill their rights in every possible way. And I think when we are truly doing something uh, to to bring down the use of plastic, we are somehow helping people who are living near the oceans. Those people, you know, our fellow human beings who had to face some disaster due to climate change. If we do our, uh, you know, part and we are fulfilling the rights towards them, that if we, you know, try to reduce the use of anything which making climate change. And, and and we see the changing dramatic change uh, within around us in, in our society in our world and due to those things we're facing uh, you know different kind of disasters the different climate is coming up so if we are refraining away from them and somehow we are fulfilling the rights towards them and we're saving their lives as well you know at the end again the issue of plastic pollution demands urgent attention and uh, you know revolution uh, or, or revaluation of existing strategies emphasizing the need for a global plastic treaty solutions should be carefully you know crafted considering both immediate actions and uh, uh, and long term action to reduce plastic waste and you know a long term commitment to sustainable uh, practices need to be taken and collaborative effort on international scale are you know paramount to effectively combat the root causes and consequences of the global plastic pollution crisis Allah, allah's messenger the holy prophet peace be upon him said that there is none among the muslims who plants a tree or a sow a seed and then a bird or a person or an animal eats from it but it's considered as a charitable gift for him so one of the thing 
is planting trees and taking care of the world is a form of charity. So it is very important. One side we're discussing that uh, we have to overcome the use of plastic. One thing is very important for climate that we should plant tree. Now we're going to head uh, to our last guest for this hour, uh, Aidan Sharon, who's with us, who's a director and end plastic initiative at Earth Day. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Thank you much for joining us today, Aidan. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm fine, I'm fine. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Aidan, uh, could you provide an overview? of the findings in your report, you know, babies versus plastic, specifically highlighting the dangers of plastic to human health. Yeah, so we kind of steering through this and researching it, we found that the full extent of the health risks associated with microplastic exposure is not quite fully understood. Um, but there's more and more evidence coming out that plastics, microplastics, and their additive chemicals are posing a potential serious health risk to humans, with babies and infants being especially vulnerable due to their proximity to the ground, as well as them being more tactile when they're interacting with the rest of the world. So when they're crawling on the ground, when they're just putting things in their mouths, um, and just things of that nature, and they're, they're starting to see a lot of neurological diseases as well as some developmental issues in younger children mm-hmm. that are potentially caused by plastic and their additives. So how does your core mission at the end of plastic initiatives address the critical link you know, between plastic pollution, environmental damage, and the health implications, uh, particularly for infant and young children? So our job at Earth Day is to educate and activate people, and part of that is these reports and just getting that research out there. What we found is there's a lot of people doing research on the health implications of plastic, but they're not communicating with each other very well, and they're also not communicating with the public in an efficient way that Earth Day can. So our job is to let people know that, hey, there's this material that's become ubiquitous in our world, but it is causing these health issues and you should be concerned about it. So we also provide people with the tools to reach out to their local leaders as well as their international leaders to kind of start putting us towards a world that is, you know, reduction, reduced plastic at least. Okay, uh, so, so uh, you know, the, considering the health Im- uh, implication of plastic pollution, how does Earth Day company measure and... Uh, you know, quantify the direct impact on human health resulting from plastic exposure? Uh, so we kind of quantify that by everybody uses plastic now. <laughs> it's, it's all over the place. We can't get away from it. Mm. And then we just dove into the research and started to find that studies are showing there's a higher percentage of microplastics in the air we breathe inside than outside. Um, everybody's heard the study that we're ingesting about a credit card worth of microplastic a week. Hmm. Uh, there's, it might be higher than that. We don't know. And then we've just done the research and just read article after article of me and a group of interns, um, finding that it's in our in human placentas, it's in dairy milk and breast milk, it's in waterways, it's in the air we breathe. So it's quantifying it is a little bit more difficult just because it's everywhere. Very much right. I think <laughs> dangerous place to live, isn't it? <laughs> You're taking, intaking uh, plastic every time. You know, based on your research, uh, Aidan, what policy recommendations would you 
purpose within a global plastic treaty to mitigate the health risk associated with plastic pollution? So the biggest thing that will be the most helpful is production cuts of plastic. So Earth Day is calling for a 60 by 40. That's at least a 60% reduction by 2040. Other other organizations are calling for higher or lower. Uh, we felt 60% by 2040 is the most doable. Um, and then after a re after reduction or production cuts, um, I think the best thing to do is start doing more research on the health implications of plastic and start looking towards alternatives. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the bioplastics or things like that. It could just be going back to old ways that how we used to do things. Maybe it's glass, maybe it's aluminum, who knows? I'm just trying to figure out different solutions to this material, uh, different ways we can use plastic that aren't as harmful maybe. Very much right. Uh, thank you, Aiden, uh, for uh, joining us today. And I hope our listeners have benefited from this. And uh, I think we, again, is a collective effort. We need to have uh, reduced the footprint of plastic. Thank you very much once again for joining us today. Have a nice evening. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great night. Same to you. So it was Aiden Sharon, Director and Plastic Initiatives at Earth Day. He has discussed about, again, the topic we are discussing, uh, plastic, the use of plastic, the plastic pollution we have. Again, uh, you know, it's a cause for a global plastic treaty. And our guest has discussed this truly, and we have discussed in the show that how plastic is dangerous for the earth and what can be done, what would need to be done. Again, we have to do, uh, you know, individual and collective effort to reduce the footprint of plastic. And on the other side, we should, you know, write to our MPs as well to discuss that, you know, we should have that treaty globally that everybody work together to reduce the footprint and the use of plastic. And as I was mentioning before, uh, we had Aiden uh, on air that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, you know, planting trees and taking care of the world is a form of charity. And I think we should do it and we should uh, sow as many seeds as we can so we can have a better place to live. With this note, uh, I would like to uh, you know, thank our listeners who were with us who were listening to our show. Uh, you can call us again uh, in the next hour as well. Of course, we'll be having a different topic, but uh, you can call us and discuss uh, this matter on 0208-687-7878. And you can visit our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk and tweet at voiceofislamuk. So, Please join us after the short break and we'll be discussing another very important topic after this short break. Peace be upon everyone. The giver of death. The one who brings death to all creatures. How can you disbelieve in Allah? When you were without life, He gave you life, and then He will cause you to die, then restore you to life, and then to Him shall you be made to return. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon you all. Welcome once again here in Drive Time Show. You're listening to Aniko Rahman. Today, we have uh, discussed 
uh, a topic, very important topic in the first hour in relation with uh, the use of plastic. We have discussed in depth in the second hour as per our routine we'll be discussing a very important topic, another topic, a new topic which needs to be addressed worldwide and which needs to be understood properly and which, you know, there's something which needs to be discussed and find the solution. I'm mentioning the global unrest and to discuss are we heading towards World War Three. The world is passing through previous time and in recent years the world has witnessed a surge in global unrest with tension escalating on multiple fronts from the Russian invasion in Ukraine to the Israel-Palestine war. Question that looms you know, ominously in is whether this current state of affairs is a prelude to World War Three? Analysts at the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute warned earlier this year that the world was drifting into one of the most dangerous periods in human history. There has been tension between China and the United States for the past few years. Russia has been trying to regain its power by invading Ukraine and now this Israel-Hamas war has taken a dangerous turn. A renowned historian and author Niall Ferguson writes in the time that the Israel-Hamas war threatens to become the next crisis in the you know, cascade of the conflict that has potential to escalate to a third world war, especially if China seizes the moment to impose a blockade on Taiwan. The major reason for all this chaos in the world is the lack of justice and the greed for power to achieve personal gains. Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, chapter 4, verse 136, that all you believe, be strict in observing justice and be witnesses for Allah even though it be against yourselves or against parents and kindred. Whether he be rich or poor, Allah is more regardful of them both than you are. Therefore follow not low desires so that you may be able to act equitably. And if you conceal the truth or invade it, then remember that Allah is well aware of what you do. Indeed, when we look around in the world, we see the lack of justice. We see that there are some nations who are in power. They want to gain more power they have some their person they want to have their personal goals they want to achieve personal gains there's a greed and due to lack of justice even though we see the justice 
are there, justice is there in, in the country. But on the international level, and if we go globally, we see that sometimes the justice is not there. Allah the Almighty has clearly states in the Holy Quran that if you not if you do not show justice, then Allah is aware what you are doing. Right now, the biggest threats to the world peace, as we know, you know, Israel and Iran have been engaged in a shadow war for decades, and now the war in Gaza raises the risk of Israel-Iran in conflict. Lina Khatib, director of Source Middle East Institute, has said that the path to escalation via Hezbollah led second front from Lebanon is unlikely, but it would most likely spark U.S. Interven intervention, which has the potential for the war to spread to Iran itself, which is the last thing Iran wants. The states compete fiercely even when they are not fighting directly. Major and regional power compete with each other for influence, often through local allies in war zones. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that all of you, all of your guardian and are responsible for your subjects. I'll repeat once again that all of you are guardians and are responsible for your subjects. The ruler is the guardian and the responsible for his subjects. The man is a guardian for his family. The woman is guardian in her husband's house and responsible for her wards. A servant is guardian of his master's property and responsible for his ward. So all of you are guardians and are responsible for the subject. And God has given this world as a responsibility towards us. And we are guardians. There are many of us, especially the world leaders, if they truly understand that why God has sent us to this world, there is a God who exists. He is more powerful than anyone and if they understand that we are answerable to God Almighty, then indeed they would think that they will be responsible and they will be asked by God Almighty and they will do as you know justice requires and they would you know live and give the due rights to the fellow human beings. You know, if you look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which begins in February last year, has been described as more dangerous than anything Europe has seen since the end of World War II. And if we carry on, you know, officials and diplomats who are experts on Russia say that, that Putin has attacked Ukraine you know, precisely because it shows a path towards the EU and NATO. Fighting Ukraine, they say, is a proxy for fighting the West. And political reports that some officials believe that conflict 
can be only resolved of if Putin, you know, complains about the U.S. and NATO are resolved. Until then, he will continue the war and will seek the conquer and destroy or destroy the country. In other words, the West will end up being more directly involved, particularly in militarily. The Khalif of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, said in his address to U.S. Capitol Hill on 27 June 2012 about the establishment of peace through just and equal relation between nations, that our truth is that the peace and justice are, you know, in, in, inspirable. You cannot have one without the other. Certainly, this principle is something that all wise and intelligent people understand, leaving aside those people who are determined to create disorder in the world. No one can claim that in any society, country, or even the entire world, that, they, that there can be disorder or lack of peace where, where justice and fair dealing exist. Nevertheless, we find in many parts of the world that disorder and lack of peace are prevalent. Such disorder is visible both internally without con within countries and externally in terms of relation between various nations. The ongoing armed conflict between you know, uh, Israel and Hamas has, has, has been taking place in and around Gaza Strip since 7th October 2023. And there have been clashes in the West Bank and Israel-Lebanon border. The state of war is marked as the start of the most significant military escalation in the you know, region since the Yom Kippur War. According to the Gaza Health Ministry, more than 14,300 Palestinians, including over 6,000 children, have been killed as of 23rd November 2023. According to the United Nations report, around 1.7 million Palestinians, over 70% of Gaza population, and around 500,000 Israelis have been internally displaced. This has led to a severe humanitarian crisis in Gaza. We are looking the videos, we are looking the facts, how people are dying, how children are dying. Again, the lack of justice is there. And I would say the justice, a true justice, comes through religion. Is God Almighty who has taught us that what justice is. All the nations who claim that they have a justice, they are the nation who believe in religion, in a prophet. And it's a religion, it's a God Almighty who has taught the human being, that how justice can be made. What is a true justice? God has given us the sense that what justice, what, we can have the justice within society. And if we cannot feel that what's been happening in Gaza, how people are dying, how people have been killed because of Hamas, and even though Hamas is no Hamas has been killed, or people of Hamas has been found or been killed, and innocent lives are been uh, been taken, and nobody is speaking for that, 
and hearts are become you know hardened then definitely the lack or you know the the, the justice which is required is not there god almighty clearly says that you know enjoin justice allah the almighty states in the holy quran verily allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and wrongful trans- transgression he admonished you that you may take heed you know warning about the risk of global war the khalif of ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza masrur ahmad may allah strengthen his hand said and i quote that he said that the rate at which the state of war is escalating and how the israeli government and other major global powers are adopting certain policies it's apparent that a world war is starting us in the face now even some leaders of muslim countries have begun to openly state as of russia and china and so too western analysts have begun to write and proclaim that the scope of this war seems to be expanding if wise policies are not immediately adopted the world will face devastation all of this is being reported in the media the harrowing state of affairs is in front of you all he further said for as long as world's leader do not courageously strive for a ceasefire they are invariably responsible for taking the world towards destruction now we going to listen to a clip of his holiness hazrat mirza masood ahmed may allah strengthen his hand on from the keynote address at 10th peace symposium in the uk we we'll listen to that and we'll be back right after that the world's economic crisis has contributed hugely to global unrest and increased frustrations amongst the masses another major cause of tvn is internal power struggles within countries and then in many nations the rights due to members of the public are being unjustly usurped another factor is that some parties seek to demonstrate their power and might by treating others extremely cruelly further a root cause of division is a lack of justice in the world this is leading directly to a complete lack of mutual confidence and trust another cause of unrest is the fact that people or governments look at the wealth and resources of others with a sense of sense of envy and greed in fact they do not limit themselves to the envious classes but actually seek to seize what is not rightly uh, rightfully theirs as i said there's a long list of reasons by the world uh, why the world is being consumed by hatred and disorder and i have only mentioned a few 
These issues are of grave concern, and we must reflect over how to solve them so we can seek to establish global peace. Enmities and differences are increasing daily and are rapidly spiraling out of control. The, the state of the world is going from bad to worse. Something which has been said in the past, which is very true, is that whilst it is extremely difficult to make a good friend, it is very easy to make an enemy. If we look at the world today, we find that from the very smallest scale of society to a national and international level, these are the circumstances that are prevalent. Not only do people espouse hatred and carry out evil acts, but they are also inciting others towards such cruelties and oppression. On the one hand, the numbers of those who are causing conflicts is ever increasing, whilst on the other hand, the numbers of people who are actually acting with justice, good morals, and trying to bring about reconciliation is ever decreasing. With this backdrop, I say again that the Ahmadiyya community remains constantly engaged in striving for better society, and so today's event is also being conducted in an effort to promote true and long-lasting peace. For the past five or six years, I have warned all of those within my reach about the deteriorating state of the world. I have repeatedly said that the worsening financial and political climate is leading the world towards the most horrific destruction. It is quite possible and even likely that the path the world is treading will culminate in a terrifying world war. <clears throat> More than 65 years have passed since the last world war. And I fear that people have forgotten the unparalleled levels of devastation and destruction that it caused. In that global war, more than 70 million people were killed, the majority of whom were innocent people who were dragged into the war unwillingly. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet wasallam, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding, yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace.
The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. Welcome back. Uh, you were listening uh, to the audio clip where His Holiness has mentioned that how much is needed to sit down and find a solution and, you know, to, to do something to have peace, to create a peace within society. You know, we can have enemy immediately state away and it's hard to have a bond, a good relationship with nations to, you know, to, to keep the peace within the entire world. You know, the world head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community said his address at the Dutch National Parliament on 6th of October 2015 that if we analyse, uh, you know, uh, an, 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 analyze the world situation objectively, we realise that world peace and security is needed the most critical issue of our time. Unquestionably, with each day that passes, the world is becoming increasingly unstable and dangerous and there are a number of potential causes of this. For example, the financial crisis and economic instability that has effective, affected many parts of the world may be one major factor. His Holiness further said, another possible root cause in the lack of justice displayed by certain world leaders towards their own people and towards others. A further reason may be the fact that some religious leaders are prioritizing their own personal interests above the greater collective good and are not discharging their responsibilities with sincerity. In terms of international relations, a major source of conflict may well be the discrepancy between the rich and poor nations of the world. It is observed that powerful nations often seek to benefit from the natural resources of poor nations without giving them the appropriate share of their own assets. Thus, there is a long list of possible reasons as to why the peace of the world is being disturbed, of which I have mentioned just a few. Whatever the causes, I certainly believe the lack of peace in the world to be the most precious issue of this generation. And indeed, it is. And we can see, you know, this was given in 2015 in Dutch Parliament. It's been nearly eight years. And people, you know, could have thought that, and I know personally, that how come we're discussing about peace? There's a peace. But the His Holiness... Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, the worldwide head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has mentioned on different platforms that do not think that you are far from, you know, uh, world war or, or, or destruction. Things are happening. We are not showing a full justice. And there's a possibility that we end up with you know, a, a, some kind of conflict. And we start seeing around us now. We see Russian-Ukraine war, we see, you know, Israel-Hamas uh, war, and due to that, they are killing Palestinian people. 
and we see that China has uh, some other problems going on around them. So things are people are coming together. And if we do not pay attention to create peace within the society and need a precious issue to discuss in this generation, then there's a possibility that we end up with a huge destruction. Now we're going to listen to another clip of the Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad. You know, he addressed at the annual convention Germany in 2016. We'll listen to that and we'll be back right after that. Take benefits from the country they migrate to. Rather, they should be encouraged to enter the labor force and actively contribute to society as soon as possible. In my view, this would have an instantly positive effect and would lessen the perilous gulf that is opening up between existing citizens and immigrants. Furthermore, you cannot disregard the threat of terrorists or extremists entering this country. And so the authorities must ensure they do everything possible to protect the people of this nation and to identify those who seek to harm it. Wherever and whenever someone uses his religion to justify cruelty or injustice or to usurp the rights of others or to act against the state, it is certainly the responsibility of the government and authorities to firmly put a stop to such activities. In terms of establishing peace in the world, I have highlighted time and time again the importance of justice and equality. And indeed, Islam states that the key to peace and just is justice and fairness at all levels of society. Moreover, Islam does not only call for justice, but also outlines the standards of justice required. Thus, chapter 5, verse 9 of the Holy Quran states that the person should treat even his worst enemies and opponents with fairness and that the enmity of any nation or person should never incite a person to disregard the principles of fairness and justice. It is our belief that the perfect manifestation of this teaching was the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad And so let us look at his example. Once some Muslims killed two opponents of Islam who they considered to be a threat. However, before they were killed, the opponents had entered the confines of the sacred mosque in Mecca in order to seek refuge. Welcome back. Um, as you have heard, His Holiness' words were explaining that, uh, you know, how uh, peace can be achieved and, uh, and what are the ways to, to understand and you know to, to have a peace within society 
The Holy Quran you know, states that, O you who believe, be steadfast in the cause of Allah, bearing witness in you know, equity, and let not a pe people's enmity incite you to act otherwise than with justice. Be always just, that is near to righteousness, and fear Allah, surely Allah is aware of what you do. During you know, his keynote address, the 10th Annual Peace Symposium, His Holiness, you know, Mirza Masulama spoke about the need of peace and justice, the escalating conflict in the Far East, the war in Syria, and the increasing risk of a global and nuclear war. You know, he also offered a solution for global unrest based on the teaching of the Holy Quran. And he said that if we want true peace and if we want to save the world from destruction, then we must act with justice, integrity, and be ever faithful to the truth. His Holiness said that it is duty of all powers to fulfill that the requirements of justice and to unite together. Our all parties need to increase dialogue and open the lines of communication so that they can peacefully discuss the best means to solve the problems of the world. You know, this is addressed, as you've heard, and you know, one of the things is mentioned as I mentioned uh, on the 10th Annual Peace Symposium. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, has said that those who are just and fair will be with Allah most high, on thrones of light, at the right hand of the most merciful. Those who are just in their rulings and in their dealings with their families and those of whom they are in charge. So, it is very important to understand that if we are just, God is looking at us and God will reward. And because justice is so much important that if we do not have justice within society, that society cannot live anymore. Now we're going to go to another audio clip of His Holiness Mirza Masood Rahman, may Allah be his helper, uh, his interview with Lake County News Sun in October 2022. And we'll listen to that and we'll be back right after that. Do you think that there is a formula for all of the religions and the people who follow them to work toward peace? You see, if you realize your duties, as I have already said, towards your Creator and uh, get closer to Him, you realize that uh, we have been created by one and omnipotent God in Allah. And the purpose of creating us in this world was not just to kill each other or destroy each other. All the religions came from Allah. We believe this. We believe that all the religions were true religions, originally. And later on, there were some innovations in their teachings and the teachings were distorted. And then, ultimately, it was also the prophecy of all the prophets, all the founders of the religions, that in the latter days, the prophet will come, who will bring the teachings of all the prophets. He will combine them. He will give the true teachings of them. And his teachings will be the final teachings. And we believe that that person who was foretold by the previous prophets or the founders of previous religions is the holy prophet of Islam. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. And this is why you can see till today the holy scripture, the holy book of Muslims, 
which was revealed to the holy prophets of Islam وسلم, is still intact. There is no change in it. Whereas the other books have changed in so many ways. And it was also foretold by him, the holy prophet of Islam, that although the teaching, the scripture will remain intact in its original form, but my followers will also forget the true teachings of Islam. They will leave the true teaching of Islam. And then that time, there will be a reformer who will be from among my people, and he will also reform. And we believe that that person is Mirza Ulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, the founder of the Amdiya community, whom we believe is the Messiah and Mahdi of this age. He asked all the religions that whether you believe in my religion or not, you believe in Islam or not, you come and follow me or not, but at least we should all live together amicably, harmoniously, and with love and affection. And this is how we can live together in this world, and this is how we can fulfill the purpose of our creation. So, this is the message. This is the only way, right? Welcome back. Um, as you've heard, His Holiness' words, uh, indeed, God Almighty has promised that He will send a reformer in this day and age. And, uh, you know, this is this is the time where all the nation is waiting for a reformer who will come and he will unite everyone together, who will resolve the matters. And an Ahmadiyya Muslim community believes that that reformer has already sent by God Almighty and we believe Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian is the reformer. And indeed we feel that whatever he has mentioned and the teaching he has given to us and to the community, he has foretold uh, that these things are going to occur and you have to protect yourself, that you have to have justice within the society and how you should be living as a role model, as a true Muslim, a true follower of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and show the world that this is the true Islam and that's what Islam teaches, and have justice within the world and give the due rights to fellow human beings. And we are grateful to God Almighty that we have believed and we have uh, followed him and everything which he has mentioned and the things he has told is coming full, is, 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 you know, is, is fulfilled and still fulfilling and in the things he has tell us to refrain away and you know the upcoming events is, is there and by the grace of our God Almighty God has blessed this community with Khalifat and we have the fifth Khalif His Holiness Hazza Mirza Masur Ahmad may Allah be his helper and he guides us on every single step and that's what we've been hearing that's what I've been discussing and mentioning he has you know has mentioned this topic on different platforms on different countries different nations that how much peace is necessary in today's day and age because he is the successor of the reformer and he has the same duty to tell people that these are the ways to achieve peace and we should have justice within the society within the world and as you have heard the audio clips and uh, you know the uh i've mentioned throughout this hour that what he has been doing in, in in the last you know few years even though there was no war even though people might be thinking that there's no need for peace there's a, there's a peace in the world but he can see that what's going to come up what is going on 
And that's why he's been trying and explain to, to the nations that we, if we have to have a true peace, not the peace which we're showing to the world, the true peace, the inner peace, then we have to have justice within the society. We have to give, have to give due rights to fellow human beings, to their nations. We should not have a personal interest. We should share whatever we have rather than taking rights of others. You know, while coming back to while the current global unrest, you know, you know, rises legitimate concerns about the potential for a world war. It is crucial to approach this this issue with a uh, you know understanding of a complex factors at play. History serves as a stark reminder of the devastating consequences of global conflicts, and the international community must learn from past mistakes by prioritizing diplomacy fostering economic cooperation and addressing the root causes of unrest, the world can navigate the shadows of World War III and strive towards a more peaceful and a secure future. You know, vigilance, cooperation and the commitment to dialogue are the key to preventing the descent, you know, the descent into another catastrophic global conflict. In October 2023, the Khalif of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, was inquired about his perspective on the future of humanity. To which he said, he said that at present it appears that humanity is unwilling to heed the words of Allah or his messenger. And they also seem unprepared to fulfill the obligations owed to Allah and his people. With regard to the current situation of the world, he said, if this persists, block will be widened. And as I have warned previously, the situations will evolve into a third world war with grave consequences. He emphasized that we should pray for Allah to bestow wisdom upon humanity, enabling them to fulfill both his rights and the rights of the other of one another when this occurs humanity will be safeguarded conversely if this does not happen there will be nothing but a bleak future filled with destruction so may god almighty protect everyone may god give guidance to the leaders of nations and may we have peace, a true peace with society. With this, we conclude today's show. And we hope and pray that wherever we are, we should try our level best to raise our voice, to have, just have peace with society. And we fulfill the rights of each other. At the end, I would like to thank the technical team working behind the scenes and the producers of today's show. May Allah bless them all. Until then, or until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa